0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Arash's World. Today, we have another special guest, uh, Michelle Goodloe. Uh Welcome to Arash's World.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Wonderful. And uh, could you start off just introducing yourself briefly in any way you see fit? Um, who are you? What do you do? What do you like to do? Anything you want to share here?
1: You got it. So again, my name is Michelle Goodlow. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, a wellness author, and just an enthusiast for all things self-care. I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia, where I host my private therapy practice called The Essence of Healing. And I also have a personal branding website that's focused on self-care and wellness called gmichelle.com. And that's a little bit about me.
0: And you also have a book. Uh, I Own My Magic, Self-Talk for Black Women. And uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, your book.
1: Yeah, so I Own My Magic is a self-care-centered, affirmation-centered book created specifically for Black women. I share a little bit of my self-care story and I invite all readers who are Black women to also share theirs. This is a space for Black women to really process what does it mean to take self-care seriously? And what is positive self-talk? Examining how you talk to yourself. What is that inner dialogue like? So throughout the book, there's affirmations, stories, and activities for Black women to practice self-care.
0: I really like how you have the personal touch where you talk about your own stories and how you feel about things, and then you have the space for others to share it. So it's kind of like a journal. At the same time, it's also a a bit of a memoir as well, and uh, how you deal with things and your own experiences. And you start off with uh, Black women are incredible people, which I completely agree with. And But the problem is expectations are high. And so the idea is, and you mentioned this in your book, that you, are, you need to be strong, but then if you're tough, then you're not soft. And I, I think the ideal would be to have the yin and yang, the, the balance, the dowel between both being firm, but also soft. And I think that the softness get, uh, gets eroded, especially for women, and especially probably in this case for Black women, uh, where we focus more on being tough and powerful and neglect an important part of oneself, uh, being soft.
1: That's exactly right. And I'm, I'm so glad you shared it that way, because in, in this book, not only do I invite Black women to be soft, but I also ask Black women, have you ever even just had the opportunity? A lot of Black women feel like, OK, we're supposed to be strong, we're supposed to do all the things, take care of everybody, and even for a lot of us, put ourselves on the back burner put our deeds on the back burner. There's still a huge misconception that taking time to take care of yourself is considered selfish and self-centered. And my hope with I Own My Magic is to not just immediately say, no, that's wrong, but to examine it a little bit. Like, where did we get those ideas from? I have a few prompts and I Own My Magic where I ask Black women, where did you first hear about the superwoman, black woman, you know, the black superwoman, where did you first hear somebody call you strong or you heard a black woman was strong? Like really take a history check here with yourself on where did that come from? So that you can have your own ideas and give yourself permission to be soft if that feels right for you
0: and essentially we are human and that is what we need to find in that connection. And I think uh, one of the one of the issues I have with, with a general when they talk about empowerment, especially if you look at women, that they have to be tough like guys. And and for me, that's just like, we're losing out. I mean, what makes women so powerful is is partly also their femininity, they're different, the soft touch. And it's not just related to, to, to just uh, the sex. I mean, I, I have a feminine side as well. And so- so that uh, uh, that we need to have that softness and gentleness. And we see in the world that if you are all just tough and, you know, macho, how how that is creating a lot of harm. So instead of copying that, kind of getting a fuller picture, I think.
1: That's exactly right. Because there seems to be like this binary of having to be strong or having to be soft. And it's like, can we just live in the gray a little bit? Like, we all have these different parts, and I bet if we all had opportunities to embrace these parts, we could all feel more human and compassionate. And that's definitely what I'm focusing on when talking to Black women in this particular book. Let's talk about the options, the choices. What do you feel is in your control? You don't have to be just one thing.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. And uh, you, you mentioned the what I call the trinity of the self, self-talk, self-care, and self-worth and they are interlinked, they go together, they influence each other. And so let's look at the first one, self-talk, which is also part of your title. Um, So what's wrong with our self-talk and how can we improve it?
1: Absolutely. So the general, again, the general idea for self-talk is how you communicate with yourself. What does that inner dialogue look like? And you can throw an adjective in front of it. Some of us have a negative self-talk where there's like this critical voice that's like talking. Sometimes it's really critical. Sometimes it says negative things, sometimes it's really harsh. And my hope with I Own My Magic is to introduce some positive self-talk, compassionate self-talk. That includes being patient with yourself, having grace with yourself, being curious about yourself instead of critical. So again, self-talk is just the way that you speak to yourself, your inner
0: dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and with the inner critic and the, the idea of perfectionism, you need to be perfect to be accepted, to be worthy, yeah. to be loved, and which is impossible and which is actually not a good thing. That's not something you should be striving for, perfection.
1: That's exactly right. But again, so many Black women are striving for that, at least for a version of that. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit dehumanizing to mm-hmm. be a perfectionist. Because humans make mistakes, we are flawed. And that's not always a bad thing, but for a lot of black women, and I talk about this throughout the book, it feels almost unsafe to be human. It feels a little bit unsafe. It feels very vulnerable, very exposed to be your full authentic flawed self. Mm -hmm. And again, in different moments and definitely through some stories I share for myself, there are opportunities where we can really examine that And look into that and see, well, where would I like to start with being my most authentic, full, flawed, unperfect self?
0: And many people strive uh, to look for outward success. So they think, if I get a good job, if I am successful in this business, if I am, I got this and that, if I have material possessions, then my self-worth will also increase. But they don't, don't go hand in hand.
1: That's right. I even have a few prompts. It definitely sounds like you've looked through this book. I so appreciate it, (laughs) where I talk about you get to create your own version of success. Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, what does that even mean to you? Where did you learn that? I love to take apart some of these really powerful ideals that we have. And again, just break them off into little bitty pieces so that we can look at it a little bit more. Because a lot of us are really, especially when it comes to perfectionism, you know. Uh, Self care is selfish all those different ideals they come from somewhere, so my hope is to break that down a little bit so so everybody who's reading the book has a better understanding of their experience.
0: Yeah, and uh, there is an affirmation I really like, and I I wrote it down as a quote here. Uh, My glow is enhanced when I've had a chance to take care of myself. And I think that is hugely important. So because you glow so much more, you shine more, the magic kind of uh, shows itself, manifests itself when you are doing that. And by ignoring yourself or putting yourself on the back burner and trying to care for others, it's not going to work because you're not going to do a good job either way. So really, I think it's hugely important to to focus on the self and to take care of the self, which is definitely not selfish, not a selfish thing to do.
1: Exactly. And like the first chapter of the book, I really focus on that particular piece. I actually share a story of how I experienced burnout as an undergraduate in college. And I, I had a little bit of shame even writing the story. So I was like, oh, I'm coming from this privileged place of attending college and only having to focus on being a student. But I had to check myself. Like, no, Michelle, this story needs to be told. Like, this is your experience and it's okay to share your experience. It's all I got. (laughs) I'm the expert of myself. So I shared that story and kind of shared my examples of what burnout looked for me, even just as a college student. And again, throughout uh, the entire book, I share stories of me as a social worker as an eldest daughter, you know different pieces of how I've experienced burnout and stress um, based around not taking care of myself. But in that piece, I talk about how I felt like I was being a selfish person if I didn't give all of myself to activities and social life and this and that. And the thing is, I couldn't show up fully in any of my roles because I wasn't taking care of myself. And, And that's an important piece to recognize for folks, especially Black women, who are struggling with self-care, if you're able to create that space for yourself to recharge, you actually will show up fuller in those spaces, in those roles that are important to you.
0: And we recharge our batteries, we recharge our phones, and uh, we're not to ourselves, you know. And I think that is the body needs that that kind of rest. And but we we're always in the go go go, and that is, is something that is we we feel driven. And I think it's hugely important to to really stop and to be mindful and to have that moment. And even at workplaces, I talk to experts. They say have some me time. Schedule. And make sure that you are spending that time. It's not time wasted. It's actually Mm -hmm. when most of your creative ideas will come out because you can finally relax.
1: That's right. And I loved the word scheduled, planned, Uh done Uh in advance. Because I know somebody is listening or watching who's like, I am just too busy to just take some time for myself. So one of the things I really stress is actually planning your days off in advance, I know it's, we've, we're still a couple of years into this global pandemic and there's different ideas around taking care of yourself. I'm specifically talking to all my folks who love to travel, who plan their vacations mm-hmm. to go to Disneyland or go to the islands or you know wherever folks like to go. Uh, we can still plan that time, even if you are still working remotely, working from home. Like You have to schedule that time if you're a busy person. It has to be done in advance. When the, you're out of a busy season, you know, when you actually do have that time, and then you have to stick to it. That's another part of the book that I talk about a lot. In the chapter called Releasing Your Superwoman Cape, I really stress boundaries, how they are essential. If self-care is the body, boundaries are the outfit that you put on the body. Our boundaries protect our self-care practice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I fully agree. Um, Because I would not set boundaries. And I would have work, uh, work would take over my my schedule, my life. And so at one point, I decided, you know what, Sundays, I want completely off. I don't want to worry about anything. I don't want to plan anything. I just want to be doing stuff that I like, whatever that is. And I think that is important. Like when when we like to do stuff, just enjoy it, have fun, you know, something that gives you pleasure. And for me, also uh, spending time with the family instead of always mm-hmm. being on the run. And that works wonders because then when Monday comes, you do have energy. You're not already burnt out. You start off on, on a clean slate. And I think uh, many people ignore that. They constantly think they have to they give the work the priority or, or just like giving to others or spending time with others. And I think um, we need that, that important uh, time for rest, recuperation as well.
1: Yes, it's important to plan, not plan like your work around your life. Sometimes I mix up this phrase. The focus is you wanna make sure your life is the center, not work. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to do. Again, I know somebody's listening and watching going, oh my gosh, I can't, like, where do you even start with that? Just take it one step at a time. I know for myself, even in the midst of me creating my self-care brand, I remember I was working three different jobs. I think I was working over 50 hours a week for three different (laughs) companies trying to sustain and trying to take care of myself in the midst of talking to folks about self-care. And I felt like such a hypocrite, but it's because I had a lot of scarcity mindset around taking care of myself. I had a lot of financial concerns that were really taking up a lot of space. So it didn't feel safe for me to take the time off for myself like I needed to. I needed to take it one practice at a time. And that's what happened, one practice, at a time, doing it consistently, and really focusing on identifying and addressing my needs on a regular basis. That is my favorite definition for a self-care practice.
0: One of the phrases that I would use a lot and I'm trying to, to work on so I, uh, I don't do it again is, I don't have time. When somebody asks you, do you wanna go for a drink, for coffee, watch a movie? And I say, I'm busy, I don't have time. And I think that is something like uh, psychologically, when I say I'm busy, it makes me feel important because I'm wanted by others. I don't have time for anything else. uh, Frivolous, like going out with friends I am so important. And I think once we realize that, that there's like a mechanism there and we say, you know what? Yes, I do have time. And if I don't, I have to make time for things that matter, which is being with others, being with ourselves and so on. And it shouldn't be uh, work that just overpowers everything.
1: That's right. That's right. A lot of us are attached to busyness. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, it's part of my identity to be busy. It's part of how I feel about myself. Achievement-wise, oh my gosh, it's like this badge of honor to always be busy and always be working. And so we're slowly trying to rewrite and unlearn that narrative, that your worth is not tied to what you do and what you achieve. I know that's a big thing to hold on to because a lot of us feel that. I know I felt that in the past, but I had to slowly start to detach that because that particular narrative kept me working all the time, and as a social worker, as a professional helper, I was so close to burning completely out of my roles, and my emphasis in talking to folks, to Black women in particular, and I own my magic, is you're too important to burn out. Mm -hmm. We need you. Mm -hmm. We need you, you know, and you do have a life, and you have roles outside of your work, Again in the book I actually share a few journaling prompts on identifying some of those roles like talk about what are the different roles that you hold for an example again I say a lot of times that I'm a licensed clinical social worker but I'm also a new mom. I'm also a newlywed wife you know I still consider myself newlywed we're like three years in uh, but you know I still attach myself to those roles I'm an eldest daughter and an eldest child. I'm an empath, you know, I'm a sister. There's so many different roles that I hold. And so in that particular journaling prompt, I asked black women to name some of those roles. Which are some of the roles that give you the most energy that you're the most excited about? And which of those roles feel the most draining? Like they take up a lot of space. You wanna get to know yourself so that you can own your magic and see where is the space to practice self-care.
0: I, I I love the notions of roles and I see it like that too and how it's quite fascinating how we're basically slightly different people in what role we are and which is natural which makes sense but uh, when I was teaching I would tell my, my students okay this is the role that you see which is me as your instructor but when I go outside I'm a, Probably completely different person, the same way as they are. When they hang out with friends, they will not do the same activities they do in the classroom than when they're with their friends. So, to to look at it in that sense, that we are a mix of different roles and also different different parts of cultures, different things that are important, and not just seeing it as as just one view, one one track, and I have to be consistent with that. No, we're we're we're, we're quite fluid and flexible in in our That's interactions.
1: exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and exactly and,
0: and, right. and to, to keep that in mind, and I think a lot of people forget and th- that idea of perfectionism that I need to be a perfect person well that what does that mean and how is it and it changes with the roles we have. And mm-hmm. so um, yeah, to, we have to find a way Identity is not something that's fixed and I think that is probably an issue that uh, a cause something that causes these issues because we, we think it's like one stable thing but it's like mm-hmm. many it's like mosaic it's like many different pieces and puzzles there
1: that's exactly right and it's important to look again look at them one piece at a time Mm -hmm. it's it's a lot once you open that door it may feel really like big and flooding maybe even overwhelming so just take it one step at a time when examining these different features and narratives that have been playing in your mind and living in your mind for a long time
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and and the roles that we have again as again of gender of culture of nationality mm-hmm. and they could be at conflict they could be at odds and try to mm-hmm. find uh reconciliation there i think that is hugely important i like how you also have the activity scan that the body scan when you you scan your body and you you find like places that are stressed distressed and yeah let's talk yes. about uh, that i really like I that
1: That's definitely, I love that activity too. As a therapist, I do that with some of my clients. So it's an activity that's been around forever, but it's so helpful. In the body scan, it's in the section talking about caring for your health. In, In this activity, you get to sit with yourself in a comfortable position. You can be sitting down, you can be laying down, but you start from the very top of your hair, like where your scalp is, the top of your head, all the way to the bottoms of your feet. And slowly just imagine a scanner is just going down and, and taking a, a quick glance, a reflection of each part of your body. And again, do it when you feel safe, you know, really see if you're sitting, if you're able to sit with your body that way. And check in what's going on with your body, what's going on with your forehead, what's going on with your temples, you know, the sides of your cheeks, your ears, and go. I strongly recommend folks go as slowly as they can. Especially if this is something, you know, you're not used to doing, you want to take your time with it because you're worth it. And just check in which parts of your body feel good today and which parts maybe need a little more support, need a little help. This is one very simple practice, even though it sounds like, Michelle, what? You wanted to <laughs> Trust me. Once you start doing it, it'll be something that'll be a part of your physical self-care practice to just get to know what's going on with your body without a whole lot of judgment. Just checking in.
0: and and the mind body there's that connection and so when you feel stressed it also shows itself in the body and for the longest time um, I would my feet I would feel like tense in my feet and I was like wondering what it was so I was like I changed my shoes no it wasn't that and so so once you, you get rid you realize it you get rid of the tension the physical tension but more also the emotional tension and so on you feel mm-hmm. fine, and I haven't had that that uh, tension there in, in my feet anymore because wow. of like dealing with that. And um, that that scan first, uh, um, I learned about it when I when you can't sleep, and it's it's also a way of relaxation mm-hmm. because then you release the tension of your body, and then you can just float and uh, float into dreaming and sleeping and so on. So yes. I, it's it's hugely uh, helpful. Yeah, and um, I want to also talk about um, something here called stereotype threat that is happening. And so you mentioned um, partly um, in uh, in your book about the uh, when people say certain things and how how that is again they m- mean well or don't mean well, but it's like the way it comes off is is not good. So that idea of like when people say like oh I don't see color and that seems mm-hmm. like If you're saying that they are ignoring your race, your identity, and that is not helpful.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. And and that's another reason why this book is specifically for black women, Mm -hmm. because as part of our self-care is managing the isms Mm -hmm. from racism to sexism, to all the isms in between. And I share that story that you're referring to in the experience where I was actually in a professional setting teaching folks about undoing racism work, which is a lot of work, a lot of emotional labor. And I had someone who was a white woman, you know, tell me, oh, I don't see color. You could be orange, green, blue, you know, that whole rhetoric. And I had to explain to her and I had the emotional capacity to do so. Again, I shared this very specifically in the book to say, hey, that's actually a way to invisibilize me. And I made that word up. But that's, that's exactly what it feels like when you don't acknowledge that I am a black woman. When you say you don't see color, it genuinely means how I hear it is you don't see me. And I am a black woman. That is something that is important for folks to see. And those different experiences, experiences like that are called microaggressions. You know, micro meaning they happen so subtly, but they are aggressive and that they're not recognizing black folks, black women and we deserve to be recognized. We deserve to be seen because we're important and our stance, our bodies, our minds are, you know, I could go on and on. Are incredibly important. But this is an important part of black women's self-care is recognizing those microaggressions and taking care of ourselves and really checking in on the emotional labor. And those prompts, after I share that story, I invite Black women to share their stories of that, but also offer some self-care strategies and practices around that. And I wanna be so mindful that there's no self-care fix for ending racism or sexism or systemic oppression. That is not the intention, but our focus is recognizing that it is happening And what if we could do some practices just to help you moment to moment? I don't even say day to day anymore because even that feels like too much, but moment to moment. Do you feel you have the capacity to talk about racism with someone who is benefiting from oppression, right? Or do you not have the capacity to do that? Okay, let's talk about boundary setting there. Again, owning your magic means recognizing these really tough parts of being a black woman But also having some support, having some guidance and structure around self-care and relationships.
0: Yes, that's absolutely true, absolutely very important. And, um, but I think part of the issue is also a lack of compassion. And we, when, I I mean, when Claude Steele, the social psychologist, talked about a situation where you have uh, Black parents who go and see uh, the white teacher, and that is already awkwardness to begin with. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying that, you know, the the other person, I assume here everybody is they're good people, they're not racist. There is a small percentage of people who I would say are just you can't help them. We're not talking about them. We're talking about just majority of people. I but think- even in that ordinary interaction, this stereotype threat is the the black parent. The, don't want to, to have their child perceived as, as lazy or angry or anything like that, these stereotypes that we have of Black people. And the white teacher does not want to be perceived as racist. And so already there is tension in the moment, already there's this awkward moment. And I think it's, it's really important to try to see what the, where the other is coming from and try to bridge that gap and make sure, okay. I'm not uh, um, projecting these stereotypes onto you. You're not projecting them onto me. Let's just have a discussion that will not lead to tension. But it is so hard when we look at, especially in the US with the, the media, with the politics that's going on. And I think it's just really realizing we're all humans and it's, I see it like this big circle. We're all in this big circle and each one has their own like culture and their own identity and they overlap in most cases, right? And to realize that we have so much in common. And to me that idea, and you say, I, I, any ism, I just don't subscribe to that because I think that's putting you in a box and it's limiting you. And that threat we carry around both within us and we see it from others. And I think Mm -hmm. let's just have magic. Let's just identify with who we are and not be afraid to to share it. I mean, that's hugely important. A lot of people, that is the intimidation. It's like, well, I will be perceived as so-and-so or such if I show it. And when you're talking about, well, what would people say who don't have the, the privileges that I have? And I think that's not important in that sense. It's really like who you are, your authentic self, And that's what you can give to the world, you know, and, um, but there is that, that, again, uh, threat that we feel and we're always on the defensive on either side. I think that's important to, to also notice that both sides are, could have this tension and let's just be open about it.
1: That's incredibly true. It's important for me to state though that for a lot of Black women, especially the intersectionality that we're experiencing of being a woman and also being Black, we feel very pushed to the margins. And so even though it would be incredibly ideal if both parties could be equal and being compassionate, the reality is that's not the truth for a lot of folks. And a lot of people who do not identify as a Black woman who do benefit from systems of oppression, they're not thinking about their privilege. Instead, especially for white folks, they are thinking about the white fragility. Right, And that's showing up in this space and taking up a lot of room. And that's why, and I own my magic, I talk about emotional labor, that it's tough to be in those spaces and have relationships and interactions where you have to take that on, where you may have the knowledge, but that other person doesn't. I would love to live in a world where we could both be compassionate and have that equality. But unfortunately, a lot of folks who are not black are still being educated and aware of their privilege and checking that privilege to create space for some sort of equality and equity with black people, especially black women. And so the center of this book is really to make sure black women are taken care of. That yes. even though this will not be fixed tomorrow, I mean, it will not be fixed overnight. Here's what you can do to try your best to take care of yourself in the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think of my wife, She is uh, she's Mexican and she's short. And so, and she's a nurse so in order to be taken seriously and she looks young, she looks younger than she is, and she would have to be tougher at her she used to be tougher at a workplace and so on. And you try to compensate that because you you feel like because the way I look or because of my height or because of my gender and so on. and. Uh, although in, in certain ways that is necessary, as you're saying, absolutely, you need to show strength in that, you need to impose yourself, absolutely, I, I completely agree with that, but at the same time to have that moment where you say, okay, that's me at work, but me at home is going to be mm-hmm. different, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what I was saying that when we look at different parts of ourselves, there should be at least one space or a couple of spaces where we can truly be ourselves, yes. our authentic yes. selves. And my worry is that I see people who are never themselves yeah. in any situation, not even with themselves. And yeah. I worry about that. And again, especially more pronounced when you feel as a minority. And I've, I've experienced that myself in, in, in my own ways. So uh, it's, it's, it's really important to truly accept yourself.
1: It is, and it's, it can be really difficult if you've never done it before. Mm -hmm. And if you've never, I love to use the word safety. If you've never felt safe enough to do that, Mm -hmm. I talk about code switching and I own my magic Mm -hmm. and how that's a protective practice for a lot of black women, because being your authentic self may be wearing your hair naturally. You know, it may be talking with a particular slang or vernacular. It may be talking about your culture, you know, and different elements of it. And a lot of Black women in any space, professional space, personal space, in the environment, sometimes don't feel safe enough to be their authentic selves. Mm-hmm. And so you know that's a whole part in I Own My Magic. That book is small but mighty, okay? There's a lot in there. Yes. And we, I share, you know, what does it mean for you to be your authentic self? And what space is just like you said, what spaces do you feel you can be authentic? Is it with your girlfriends? Is it with your family members, your cousins? You know, is it when you're joining certain groups? Is it when you're with, you know, particular groups of friends? And that's a really important part of your social self-care. It's important to be in spaces where you don't have to think twice about who you are.
0: Mm-hmm. And just just flow. I mean, I for me, and mm-hmm. I, I love I love your title also. I own means I take responsibility. I control and so on. I think we we do have to do that and take also responsibility for our actions, the good and the bad. I mean that idea that. Every action or every decision we make is good is, 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 again, that idea of perfectionism. We don't want that. We want to make mistakes because that's how we learn. But then also the magic part, and I'm a huge fan of magic, and it, it really works that way. It is magical when you are truly aligning with yourself, not the perception you have of yourself or others think who you should be, but the way you actually are it is so liberating, it is so powerful, and it is life-changing.
1: Agreed, completely.
0: And once you get to that point, then you write uh, books like you do and uh, podcasts like we're having, and okay. I think it's the idea is really to inspire and to to inspire others to be themselves. I mean, there's, there's nothing here to gain for us. Yes. We just want to share the message and spread it, and it is so powerful. It is so important, I think.
1: I agree completely. And it feels so good to have conversations just like this. I just want to thank you for not only reading the book, but creating space for us to talk about this. It is so important and I really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And our, our, we have to also keep in mind that whatever we think and we perceive and we read and so on, this is only part of the story. And we, we I have no idea what it would feel like uh, to be in your shoes and in uh, and, and the shoes of black women. But I can relate to certain parts of it. And uh, I grew up in, in Germany where I was uh, where I'm a foreigner. And uh, in my town, I was in my school, I was the only one. And so mm-hmm. so you feel that pressure, that gaze, that judgment and so on. And I can relate to that. And I think if we all just kind of look at situations where we felt uh, threatened, we mm-hmm. felt, we didn't feel safe. I like the, the, the idea of safety and um, just kind of connect with that. And that could be a bridge to empathy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. I think, yeah. Yes and, and
1: yes and yes.
0: And just to your final thought about stigma, I think we are often censoring ourselves, limiting ourselves, because we're afraid of the stigma that is attached to it. And myself included, because I would not talk about things that make me look weak, for example. And, yeah. and now I'm seeing that as really something powerful, because that is courage. That is really showing the world that you are a courageous person, whereas those who don't see their weakness, they are actually cowards.
1: Yes. That's so, yeah. And courage is so important when talking about these particular pieces, when being your authentic self, mm-hmm. when recognizing that self-care isn't selfish. I mean, it takes bravery to step into those roles and to rewrite those narratives. So absolutely, and folks deserve to be brave and to step out and be courageous that way.
0: Mm-hmm. And and we have to see the talents that we have. It might not be the talents what others are looking for, but these are specific talents. So whatever you're good at, I think really develop and be p- proud of it. I mean, this yeah. is something to be to be proud of. And it could be just just anything. You just, whatever it is, this is, if you're proud of it, you should be and you should share it with others, I think.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Wonderful! Thank you so much. So your book is "I Own My Magic: uh, Self-Talk for Black Women." Uh, it is specifically designed for Black women, but there was a lot of stuff that I took away, and, and not the oh, hair cool. part—I'm that I'm struggling <laughs> with—but uh, but various other parts too. But again, it's really important uh, for for women to be to be able to 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 read this, to reflect on these things, and to uh, thank you for writing this book and sharing your insights and wisdom uh, here on my podcast.
1: It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Such a pleasure talking to you. Take care, Michelle.
1: Thank you.